0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour
1: at six.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a routine heli-jet flight from Vancouver to Victoria that took a dramatic turn when the helicopter was hit by lightning.
1: To passengers, it felt like it was falling from the sky, but the pilots were able to recover it. Richard Zussman is live at the Victoria heli-jet terminal right now, and Richard, for a few moments, this must have been terrifying.
3: It was above these clouds, Chris. The passengers on board were sending text messages to loved ones saying they didn't believe they were going to make it. THEY BELIEVED THEY WERE GOING TO DIE ON THAT HELICOPTER, BUT THE PILOTS STEPPED IN. LET'S FOCUS IN ON THIS AIRCRAFT. I WANT TO SHOW YOU THE BACK ROTOR. YOU CAN SEE THERE ARE TWO REMAINING uh, PEDALS ON THAT ROTOR AND THOSE BLADES, THERE ORIGINALLY WERE FOUR. AND THE BELIEF IS THAT THE LIGHTNING HIT EITHER RIGHT ON THOSE BLADES OR RIGHT NEARBY AND IT CAUSED SUBSTANTIAL DAMAGE LEADING TO TWO OF THE BLADES GOING AWAY. But while the vet, while this aircraft was traveling, the pilots lost the ability to navigate. So they were above the clouds. They were unaware where they were. They lost some ability to use the function, but the power remained. And because of that, they were able to get the aircraft below the clouds to a point where they could get a visual here at the Helijat pad. And by using that visual, they were able to land. And ultimately, all 14 individuals on board, the two pilots and the 12 passengers, walked off uninjured.
1: There was no indication that there was electricity in the air anywhere in the southwest out here. Um, No previous reports, be it from uh, weather stations or NAV Canada or from other pilots. So it was very unusual, and this seemed to be the only lightning strike that has happened today in the area.
3: THESE SORTS OF LIGHTNING STRIKES ARE INCREDIBLY RARE. HELIJET SAYS THEY'VE OPERATED FOR MORE THAN 30 YEARS AND THIS HAS HAPPENED ONLY TWO OR THREE TIMES. THEY ARE STILL OPERATING OTHER HELICOPTERS AS PART OF THEIR FLEET. THE TRANSPORTATION SAFETY BOARD WILL BE REVIEWING THIS SITUATION. But ultimately, the belief is that these two pilots were heroes, the way that they were able to navigate the helicopter back to the ground here and make sure that nobody was hurt.
1: Good to know it's still on schedule, too, that 6 o'clock flight landing just (laughs) on time, Richard. Really appreciate it. Thanks.
2: Now, a warning about this next story. The subject matter might be disturbing for some viewers. Drivers witnessed a horrifying scene on Monday when a man in crisis jumped from the Alex Fraser Bridge. And it's raising more questions about an issue Global News reported on last month. Why are there no suicide barriers on that bridge? Janet Brown reports.
4: DELTA POLICE SAY A CALL CAME IN MONDAY AFTERNOON ABOUT A PERSON IN CRISIS ON THE ALEX FRASER BRIDGE. TEN MINUTES LATER FRONTLINE OFFICERS WERE ON SCENE AND WHILE THEY HAD STARTED TO TALK WITH THE PERSON IN DISTRESS, IT WASN'T ENOUGH.
5: WE ASKED FOR A NEGOTIATOR AND THE NEGOTIATOR DIDN'T MAKE IT.
4: DELTA'S POLICE CHIEF SAYS HE UNDERSTANDS MOTORISTS WERE FRUSTRATED BECAUSE OF DELAYS. But what some did as they sat in traffic infuriates him.
1: We experienced large disruptions on Alex Fraser Bridge from people rubbernecking, people taking photos, and people actually yelling at the person suffering from a mental health crisis, which is
6: really unacceptable.
4: DeBoerde wants to see the province get creative and find a way to install suicide barriers on the bridge.
6: We're looking for them to
1: aggressively pursue innovation, technology, any kind of solution that may be coming up now.
4: The transportation minister says the bridge was not designed to accommodate tall safety fencing as any additional barrier would create stress on the span both in weight and aerodynamics.
1: We've looked at every possibility and uh, not every bridge um, is it possible to put in the kinds of uh, barriers or, or, or prevention equipment that we would like.
4: Delta police say from 2020 to 2022, there were 70 calls for service to the bridge involving distressed or suicidal people. At the same time, there were six confirmed suicides. The Canadian Mental Health Association says Suicide barriers save lives. This is actually one of the most well-proven, well-documented suicide prevention um, activities that can be done um, in our communities to to, uh, help reduce rates of suicide. The Alex Fraser Bridge has call boxes at several locations connecting directly with a counsellor but the police chief says the person in crisis Monday did not use one. Janet Brown, Global News.
2: And if you or someone you love is in crisis, there is help. You can call the BC Hotline for Mental Health. It's 310-6789. No area code needed. Or you can call 1-800-SUICIDE. That's 1-800-784-2433.
1: Yet another truck has hit an overpass in the Lower Mainland. It happened late this morning in Langley on Highway 1 when a truck struck the train overpass just before Glover Road. There was no significant damage to the overpass, but the tractor and trailer were mangled. The truck was able to make it under the overpass and pull onto the shoulder of Highway 1. It's been only 34 days since the last overpass was hit in the Lower Mainland. That was in North Vancouver in September. And the mystery of who was behind the wheel in the North Vancouver case may never be known. The semi-truck driver fled the scene and the RCMP say the case is closed. Alyssa Thibault explains.
7: It created traffic chaos when it happened. An overhide truck striking North Vancouver's Main Street overpass in September. The driver fled the scene and the province suspended the entire company's vehicle fleet. One month later, North Vancouver RCMP confirmed the driver still hasn't been identified and their investigation has closed, pending further information. The company now has its trucks back on the road. Hi there, my name's Alyssa, I'm a a reporter with Global. We paid a visit to the Um, head office of Whistler Courier and Freightways in Squamish. We were told no one was available to speak with us and asked to leave the property. According to the company's Facebook page on September 20, two employees are facing disciplinary action over the bridge strike and the fleet was back on the road September 27.
8: We've got a driver flee the scene, flee the scene of an overpass strike. Obviously, uh, the company did not cooperate with the police, and now the Ministry of Transportation, the minister has seen it fit that they get their licence and they're back on the road. That is completely unacceptable.
7: The transportation minister wasn't able to give specifics when asked about the company's situation.
8: It
1: seems very odd that the, the driver couldn't be identified if the company was cooperating. That's a question for the RCMP.
7: Despite multiple requests, North Vancouver RCMP were not available for an interview.
2: Alyssa Thibault, Global News. A Vancouver City Councillor is proposing a major expansion of the city's red light and speed cameras. Christine Boyle's motion would ask the province to deploy 107 new cameras at the city's most dangerous intersections. Traffic cameras fall under provincial jurisdiction. The vast majority of the cameras would be installed on the city's east side as Council's only one city member... Boyle's motion stands little chance of success but she says it'll be a good test of the mayor's commitment to road safety.
9: The city has a big backlog of those types of requests from residents all over Vancouver who would like uh, longer crossing times, pedestrian signaled crossings, safer sidewalks and more. Um, And so the point is really that the installation of these cameras makes the road safer and where they generate revenue, that 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 revenue also goes towards making the road safer.
2: There are 43 traffic cameras in Vancouver. They generate more than $8 million in fines every year.
1: Several agencies are investigating after a tugboat operator died in the water off UBC Monday afternoon. The Joint Rescue Coordination Centre scrambled resources to the area after getting a mayday call from the tugboat operator. Just before 3 p.m., the man was spotted washed ashore near Tower Beach. Despite first aid, he was pronounced dead at the scene. Police say the man, in his 60s, was the lone person aboard the tug. The RCMP, Coroner's Service, WorkSafe BC and Transportation Safety Board are all investigating what happened.
2: Tenants from four East Vancouver buildings owned by Cressy Development Group and its subsidiaries protested today at Cressy's offices. The renters claim living conditions are poor and maintenance is neglected. Aaron MacArthur reports.
0: They have ignored our calls for safe and dignified housing. What started as a rally for tenants' rights <laughs> turned into direct action Tuesday afternoon. Tenants at four buildings owned by Cressy Developments listing alleged deficiencies in their suites.
3: Hi, we're delegates from four apartments owned by Cressy. The
0: tenants claim the problems they are highlighting have stretched on for years. They say after a September letter to the company was ignored, they made the decision to approach the company directly. The leadership team from Cressy's first reaction was to tell the group to leave. You guys need to
3: leave. Hey, just the man me. that we wanted to speak to.
0: But their message appeared to find the right ear at the company. Their concerns were listened to. And promises were made to address the issues.
10: Do you see the spray paint? They tried to
8: spray over the mold and cover it back up. It kept flooding. It's been a month. If you give us a list of every unit and what you want us to do,
11: I'll have someone inspect every single unit today. Why are you in my place taking photos?
0: Cressy, quite alarmed that the exchange was being documented by several journalists. Stop,
10: stop ignoring your tenant.
0: Cameras and reporters were asked to leave and did so along with the tenants. Cressy Developments was asked to provide an interview about the tenants' concerns, but declined to answer any questions.
10: You're going to talk to Global but not CTV.
3: Please live back now. You will get a written response.
0: Despite promises of action, Tenants say they've heard it all before.
3: We've never spoken to somebody in such a high position before, but we've heard the same language. You know, give us, give us a list of tenants with a list of problems and we'll go have a look.
0: Cressy did send a statement to Global News saying, we take responsibility for not communicating earlier, but have started immediate assessments and necessary repairs, relocating one tenant to a newer downtown rental building. We're committed to individual meetings with tenants to address concerns and prioritize repairs. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: A man who slashed the throat of a Vancouver food delivery bike courier has pleaded guilty to two separate stranger attacks. And a warning, some of these pictures might be disturbing for some viewers. Kristen Robinson has the details.
6: On October 12th, 44-year-old Dennis Prasad pleaded guilty in Vancouver Provincial Court to two counts of aggravated assault in a pair of random stabbings last year. On September 10, 2022, a 55-year-old man was stabbed by a stranger near Oppenheimer Park and left with life-altering injuries. The next day, Hamidullah Habibi, who came to Canada from Afghanistan, survived an unprovoked attack in Chinatown. I was really scared of him. The newcomer's throat was slashed while he delivered food on his bike. And I see him, he, he has a knife in his hand and he was approaching me. This guy, he's starting stabbing me. And that time, you know, it was everything was happening so fast. i feel feeling something in my throat that it was, I can't breathe. And I tried to call 911, uh, but I couldn't because my, my screen, my phone screen was all in blood. A nursing student rushed to his aid. Habibi was left with at least 20 staples in his neck. Police arrested Prasad at the scene. He remains in custody. A sentencing hearing for Prasad is set for late December, while the court will hear pre-sentence and psychiatric reports in January.
2: Kristen Robinson, Global News. It's an amazing tale of survival. A freed Israeli hostage describes what she endured in Hamas captivity. That's next on the Hour.
8: Look mom, no hands.
1: A new way to control everything from video games to powered wheelchairs. The BC company that just landed on Time's list of best inventions, coming up later on the news hour. Victoria Coast Guard Radio.
2: Plus 45 years of saving lives. A milestone anniversary for Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue Volunteers. Later.
1: First, though, the elderly woman held hostage by Hamas for more than two weeks describes her captivity as hell, despite the fact she says her kidnappers treated her well.
2: Yoke Lifshitz uh, scared, uh, shared her experience at the hospital where she's being treated, while members of her family here in Vancouver watched. Cassidy Moscone reports.
12: I've been through hell. Four words to describe 17 days held hostage by Hamas. Speaking through her daughter at a Tel Aviv hospital, Yokia Lifshitz gives the world the first public account from the more than 200 Israeli civilians kidnapped and held against their will by Palestinian militants.
5: My mum is telling the horrific stories. She's saying that many, many people, a swarm of people, came through the fence.
12: Beaten and robbed, the 85 year old's account is harrowing.
5: While she was being taken, she was hit by uh, sticks.
12: But says she and the other hostages were relatively well cared for.
13: Go with the swarm.
12: A final handshake with a captor until that moment Monday, oh my god, the grandmother's family didn't know Sorry. if she was dead or alive isnt it it's true our cameras were there when Yoke's niece here in
10: Vancouver got the incredible news. I called her this morning. It was like wow, you know she sound very, very tired and exhausted and um but her spirit is still there. Ruti's uncle Odej is
12: still missing. Yoke says they were separated in Hamas's spider web of underground tunnels.
5: My mom is very much hoping that all the people that were with her will come back. And the story is not over till everybody comes back. There
10: are children, there are babies, so many different people. And nobody knows what their condition is. We really need to bring them home safe uh, and as soon as possible. Cassidy Moscone, Global News.
2: The restaurant industry struggles with pandemic recovery.
1: It's difficult because the math doesn't work for a lot of restaurants anymore.
2: The biggest factors that have businesses on the brink of failure coming up. Plus.
1: I've been feeding wildlife all my life. A North Vancouver resident in court for putting himself and his neighbors at risk. Why, he says he's done nothing wrong.
2: Crews have closed some lanes and are clearing some pooling water off the Port Man Bridge, and traffic is still a little slow eastbound across the bridge deck. Today's
12: Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $32 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: Vancouver's cruise ship season has wrapped up for the year with the last ship of the season departing from Canada Place Terminal this afternoon.
2: The Holland America ship was one of 332 to dock between April and October, carrying an estimated total of 1.25 million passengers, which set a new record for the terminal. This marked the first full season with no pandemic restrictions and it's expected to give a big boost to BC's economy even compared to pre-pandemic levels. While the numbers are positive, our neighbours to the south are seeing a bigger influx of people, with Seattle closing out the season with about 1.7 million passengers.
0: That might mean finding a location outside of downtown Vancouver to bring in more ships so that there would be a complementary location. For maybe the larger ships that can't easily get under Lionsgate Bridge. Uh, some of the newer, larger ships struggle to do that.
2: According to the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority, based on preliminary bookings, the 2024 cruise ship season is shaping up to be just as successful as 2023.
1: Despite sales in the food service industry reaching record highs, operators say they are still struggling to recover from the pandemic. As Kylie Stanton reports, recent Restaurants Canada findings indicate the industry is in deeper financial trouble than expected.
9: From the kitchen it's prepared in to the staff doing the work and then there's the food itself. Everything that goes into making these plates comes at a price.
1: Margins are razor thin. It's difficult because the math doesn't work for a lot of restaurants anymore.
9: Restaurants Canada annual food service fact report found 50% of food service companies are operating at a loss or just breaking even, a massive jump from just 11% pre-pandemic. It's alarming. There's this obvious correlation to what has happened that we feel is the average Canadians on a day-to-day basis as well with high inflation rates really impacting the industry. At the same time sales are hitting record highs in 2022 surpassing the 100 billion dollar mark for the first time in history. And this year, that's projected to hit more than $110 billion. But it's the bottom line and the profitability piece that is challenging the industry. The findings come amid a renewed push for the federal government to once again extend the repayment deadline for the pandemic-era Canadian Emergency Business Account, or CBA, by at least another year. Last week, premiers from across the country voiced their concerns and the restaurant industry is echoing the call.
8: It's in the interest of the federal government to do this because you know, we're going to keep businesses going, they'll be able to pay it back. I think if we do what's going to happen right now is that we're going to see a lot of businesses go under.
9: The report shows one in four table service restaurants do not expect their business to recover from the debt incurred during the pandemic. Hey, how are you? And while the Fireside Grill considers itself to be one of the luckier ones, the business still has plenty on its plate.
1: It's a tough business in, you know, the best conditions. We're not looking and say, oh, poor us. Um, But when you have things that happen outside of your control, you look at it and think, you know, enough's enough.
2: Kylie Stanton, Global News. Coming up, one of the best inventions of 2023.
11: It's a game changer for humanity.
2: Neural earbuds from a B.C. company setting out to disrupt the entire electronics industry. Plus,
1: they have no proof, no direct proof that I said uh, bears or coyotes directly. A North Vancouver man in court for feeding wildlife and why he says he'll win the case.
2: Steady both ways over at the Patello Bridge tonight, but do keep in mind there's ongoing construction at both ends as well as on the bridge deck during the overnight hours. Kerma Collision and Autoglass's newest location is in Vancouver on Southwest Marine Drive, conveniently located between Camby and Oak. Kermac, the most trusted name in collision repair for 50 years. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: A North Vancouver man accused of feeding wildlife appeared in provincial court today telling Global News he doesn't believe he did anything wrong.
2: As Catherine Urquhart reports, he says he's not even concerned about the charges he's facing. Hi, Mr. Amaral. Hi,
5: Hi. Kenneth Amaral leaves provincial court in North Vancouver after making an appearance for two charges under BC's Wildlife Act. How do you plan to plead? Uh, not guilty, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and um, yeah. getting a lawyer right now? Uh, no, I'm not going to get a lawyer. I'll fight it myself. He's charged with one count of intentionally feeding or attempting to feed dangerous wildlife and one count of leaving matter to attract dangerous wildlife. Amaral told Global News he has been feeding the animals for almost two years in a wooded area near the Capilano Trail.
11: I was basically putting it down for birds. I was putting it down during the day when the birds are active. The bears are not usually active in in the
5: evenings and the early mornings. B.C. Conservation announced their investigation more than a year ago.
7: Just this last Friday we were able to intercept uh, the suspect and... um, we managed to collect enough evidence to recommend charges uh, to Crown for feeding dangerous wildlife in West Vancouver.
5: <laughs> Earlier this year, a West Vancouver man was fined $5,000 for similar alleged behavior. Videos on social media showed Vitali Shevchenko and his young children hand-feeding the bears at his home. Emeril says he's not too concerned about the charges. The worst they can give me is a fine. Big deal. The North Vancouver resident remains defiant. And I continue to feed them. He's due back in court November 15th. Cheers. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: B.C. is hoping to supercharge the electric car industry by accelerating its zero-emission vehicle targets. The province says if passed, new amendments to the Zero Emission Vehicles Act will require automakers to meet an escalating annual percentage of new EV sales and leases by the end of 2026 they'll need to reach a 26 percent target of EV sales 90 percent by 2030 and 100 percent by 2035 if successful it'll push the province's original EV sales goal ahead by five years
4: these changes will further increase supply of EVs to British Columbia encourage automakers to make them more affordable and more accessible for drivers
1: So far this year, EVs have made up nearly 21% of all new light-duty passenger vehicles sold in B.C. The province also announced it will be reopening applications for its EV charger rebate program for homes and workplaces starting October 31st.
2: A Canadian company with a BC connection has just made a prestigious list for its groundbreaking invention. Its
1: patented earbud technology gives users the ability to control virtually any electronic device without touching anything. No mouse, no keyboard, no screen necessary. It's taken a decade of development. Gnocchi neural earbuds packed with sensors and software named to Time Magazine's list of top inventions of 2023. Controlling and navigating computer systems and connected devices, I think
11: what we've built is a safe, non-invasive alternative to the brain implants.
1: Flip mom, no hands. Picking up tiny muscle movements and micro gestures of the face and head, inventor Dave Siegel has demonstrated how the device could revolutionize gaming. It pulls you into the game because you're not distracted with keyboards, mice, and joystick. It's the perfect level of immersion.
8: You feel like the dragon.
1: But as amazing as that is, Naki believes the technology will be truly life-changing for those with spinal cord injuries and other mobility challenges. When you master this technology for somebody who really can't move below the neck at all,
11: uh, then you have a much better polished silent and invisible human machine interface for the rest of humanity.
1: Tight squeeze. Naki recruited former Vancouver mayor Sam Sullivan to join the board and test it out. I'm completely dependent on technology. A quadriplegic since a ski accident in 1979, recent changes in his condition mean he's slowly losing the ability to work the joystick on his wheelchair. Sullivan is about to experience a whole new world of possibilities, becoming the first quadriplegic to control the chair with the earbud. We have the conductive sensors here. And within moments... and When I tap it again, you'll be controlling the chair. Okay. Now look to the right slowly. Perfect.
4: And then you want to go forward.
1: For a first attempt, the team considers this a major success but more testing and troubleshooting will be necessary. And that's where specialists at BC's Centre for Applied Research and Innovation come in. They'll lead an independent review of the NACI earbuds. Bring in a whole bunch of people in different populations, people with disabilities, perhaps older adults, and have them use this NACI technology and find out really quickly, oh, what are things that they're going to need to improve. But Sullivan and his wife are already convinced.
7: Oh, I'm very excited. It was, it was fantastic to see how easy Sam was able to take to the earbud and move forward and to the right, and it's very exciting. I think it's going to change our lives for sure.
11: I think this is the future. This is uh, how it's going to be done. We're going to see a time when people can be so in control of their life just through technology like this.
1: Chris Galis, Global News. Huge thanks to Sam and Lynn for sharing their home with us to be able to tell that story
2: very cool coming yeah. up what is fueling optimism in Kitimat
11: so we've never been bust. we've had some ups and downs
1: but never busts
2: the hard-working coastal community counting on industry to keep it alive
1: and the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue Crew when it's your worst day they're having their best years of industrial ups and downs have earned kitimat a boom and bust reputation
2: but with construction of a major lng export facility helping to rebuild its economic base as elizabeth McSheffrey explains that small north coast community is banking a brighter and more consistent future
13: the natural beauty surrounding kitimat a majestic work of art But a closer look reveals the many brushstrokes of hard losses and unrelenting hope. So we've never been bust. We've had some ups and downs, but never busts. All it takes is some more people in town
6: and that'll bring more businesses to town.
13: The North Coast community was forged in the 50s for one purpose, aluminum. Over the years it's had ups and downs with other industries like timber and methanol. But now, there's a new player in town fueling optimism. The $40 billion LNG Canada project is the single largest private sector investment in Canadian history. With construction more than 85% complete, it's on track to send liquid natural gas to Asian markets in 2025.
8: I'd like to see you know, a more activity in the northwest and especially for Kitimat.
13: The project is controversial for its connection to the coastal gas pipeline. Disputed by the Wet'suwet'en nation's hereditary chiefs.
3: We are the authority on our land. Our people have a right to protect this land.
13: And for its environmental footprint in a climate-changing world. Emissions from LNG Canada's terminal alone are expected to eat up a quarter or more of BC's 2030 target for the entire oil and gas sector, according to the Pembina Institute and the project's first phase already underway not subject to BC's new net zero 2030 requirement for lng facilities we
4: actually have
8: enough lng projects around the world to meet the demand
13: but for some residents of kitimat the benefits of the project remain clear on the horizon
8: it's from quiet you know lunches to sort of fully packed and you know staffing became a Huge issue. We overcame that.
13: While LNG Canada is a boon for local jobs and some local businesses, having so much employment tied to industry comes at a cost.
6: We don't have a lot of entrepreneurship in this community just because there's so many jobs in industry.
13: The lure of high-paying industry jobs putting a squeeze on labor in other sectors. Nearby terrace facing the same problem. With this 20-year cafe owner wishing his city could get a better taste of Kitimat's LNG bounty.
7: You're welcome. They come in to the airport and then take a bus to their you know, working site and they come back to the airport after work. So there is not much, you know, spin-off from their workers.
13: That hasn't stopped others in the region from seeing the upside of liquid natural gas the Heisla Nation, working to bring another LNG project online. While Kitimat can't say it's starting with a blank canvas, many still believe in this economic restoration and the vibrancy it could bring for decades to come. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Kitimat.
1: Amazing spot, no doubt about it. Okay, snow. I saw it up on the North Shore Mountains this morning. I'm certain
2: of it. It
10: was real? It was real. Everything?
2: (laughs) Oh, boy, Christy.
10: (laughs) absolutely real in fact there was snow on Vancouver Island even where everyone was driving along highway 19 in this image here this was near Comox Valley now uh, so the freezing level dropped to about 250 meters even below that in some areas it was really coming down in pockets for uh, this is an early season Arctic front that we're experiencing across all of southern BC but particularly across the south coast now as we head into the next few hours currently the conditions are wet on all the highways but we're not done with this Just yet. Here's a quick look. So the band of rainfall is from basically Comox south. Areas we're particularly watching are Nanaimo, Malahat. As we head into the midnight, overnight hours, those areas have the potential of seeing the rain transition to snow, and we could get significant accumulations. Don't travel the Malahat tonight if you're not prepared for that. So again, that's overnight tonight from Nanaimo down towards the Malahat. Those areas still the potential for snow overnight. And uh, I was discussing this with Environment Canada because we're really watching those uh, sort of small-scale models to really understand that. And this model is indicating that. All right, we also are expecting snowfall for the mountain passes tonight. Tomorrow, though, it shifts out, although some areas like Asus will continue to see snowfall in the morning and then it will clear by late morning. All areas cold and sunny by the afternoon, and it is going to remain cold and sunny for the next several days. In fact, the south coast region will see overnight lows down to the freezing mark by the end of the week so 11 degrees tomorrow but a high of only eight degrees thursday through the weekend and there you go overnight lows down near zero degrees tonight central windows weather window coming to you from slocan lake which i would bet that photo was taken before there was likely a little bit of snow on those mountains now there thank you to trisha for that great shot
2: oh it feels early but i guess <laughs> just
1: wanted it, it to be sunny it a bit early yeah a little bit we want it to be sunny when the kids are out on Halloween Eve. That's, that's we what we Still have want. a few days
2: to go. Still yeah. have a few days to go. All right, yeah. Squire is here now with a look ahead to sports. Hello, Squire. Hello.
1: How's
11: everybody? Um, Sam Atacube really hasn't been a Vancouver Whitecap for very long, but he does know that a Vancouver LAFC playoff series is kind of like a heated rivalry.
8: There's a bit of something with LAFC. I think you can feel that in the game. There's ex-players, ex-coaches, ex-teammates, things of that nature. The
11: Whitecaps and LAFC will start their best of three Saturday in L.A. These teams really don't like each other very much.
2: All right, thanks, Squire. And if you get into trouble on the water, these volunteers will come to the rescue. 45 years of the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue Team coming up.
1: Every single NHL team is in action tonight. That is true. Days.
11: And earlier today, the NHL said that players can now wear pride tape on their sticks mm-hmm. if they like.
1: Excellent.
6: Good.
11: When that Late came out table. last week, when that came out last week, or was it last week or the week before, it was so ridiculous because there's a rule, the NHL has a rule that you can wear any colored tape you want on your stick. So <laughs> yeah. what were they talking about? So former yeah, conductor Travis Dermott. Wore it the other day or put it on his stick the other day when he's playing for Arizona now. The NHL said, okay, you guys can use pride tape on your stick. That was the rule anyway, NHL. Yeah. The uh, Canucks will finish their five-game road trip tonight in Nashville. So far, Vancouver is 2-2 two and two on this trip. They won in Edmonton. They won in Miami. They lost in Tampa. They lost in Philadelphia. Nashville is the same team they always seem to be. hard-working, good goaltending, not a lot of high-end scoring talent. The Canucks have Thatcher Demko in goal. Nils Hoaglanders in the lineup instead of Jack Stavnica. And the Canuck players were given a full day off yesterday to recharge their batteries after that win over Florida on Saturday. But Rick Talkett said his guys should be ready tonight. And I can tell you that so far, they do look ready. In fact, they scored the first goal. Although it's a bit of a weird one from Ilya Mikheyev, who's playing just his second game this season after missing the last half of last year with that knee problem. That's a goal that UC Soros wouldn't normally let in. Maybe uh, he was looking at something else. I'm not sure. Distracted, perhaps. 1-0 Vancouver in the first period. The fact that the Vancouver Whitecaps have to play LAFC in the first round of the MLS playoffs is great theatre. This is a team they've already played four times this year. And as someone once said, familiarity breeds contempt, as each game between them seems to get more heated than the last one. On Saturday... Their one-all draw at BC Play Stadium, the Whitecaps and LAFC ramped up that dislike to the point where this could be the most emotional first-round series in the MLS playoffs.
8: Step aside Seattle, there's a new rivalry brewing for the Whitecaps on the West Coast. Through 15 competitive matches, the Whitecaps have lost 6-1-5 and drawn four times against the reigning MLS champions. OK, you guys are the MLS Cup champions. You guys are the very good team, but we can beat you. LAFC once had an edge in head-to-head battles in MLS play, but the Caps have two wins and a draw in the last three league games.
11: Yeah, we've showed that we can go there and win. Um, and we've also showed we can beat them at home, so we need to be confident.
8: Adding spice to the rivalry is the personal connection between the clubs. Former coach Mark Dos Santos was fired and replaced by Vanni Sartini in 2021. Sartini has gone on to win back-to-back Canadian championships and was handed a two-year extension with the Whitecaps, which was announced on Saturday with Dos Santos in attendance. It's very nice to know that you're secure somewhere. Um, and I know um, he's definitely excited. And I think he showed that um, when they announced
1: it. to
11: Happy for him and for Mike. Um, Knowing that they're going to be here for another couple of years is, um, you know, it's good for the good for them, good for the club, and yeah, hopefully more to celebrate in the future.
8: Whitecap center back Tristan Blackman once played for LAFC and it's a chance to knock his former team out of the playoffs. Because we
11: got a real good look at what they um, are doing right now, and you know the shape of their players and all that. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Like I said, it's going to be a good matchup, um, and I think our guys are going to step
8: up for it. So. The biggest villain in this best-of-three series will be former Caps keeper Max crepo who chose to chase a championship with LAFC and attempted to play mind games ahead of Ryan goal's second penalty attempt on the weekend. Because the odds are against him on a penalty, so they do what they can to try and, you know, turn the odds in their favour, and,
11: um, you know, he didn't he didn't get in my head at all. It's
0: nothing to do with it. His Canadian teammate Sam Anakubi having a go now at Maxime Crepeau.
8: It looks like I was tussling with him, but I was like, come on, Max, you're better. Than, I, I know you like that's you're not that guy. You know what I mean? I know you better than that. If the Caps manage to win in L.A. on Saturday, they'll have a chance to close out this series at home the following week. Just seeing how well the fans came out to support us at B.C. Place this last game, if we go there and we get the job done and we get our three points and, and we can anticipate an even more hostile environment for them coming back to Vancouver.
11: Last night, the Texas Rangers stopped Houston from defending its World Series title by winning Game 7 of the ALCS 11-4. That puts the Rangers in the World Series for the first time in 12 years. They'll play either Arizona or Philadelphia starting Friday. This also gives a chance for the Rangers to win their first ever World Series title. There are six Major League Baseball teams that have never won the World Series. Texas, Milwaukee, San Diego, Tampa Bay, Colorado, and the Seattle Mariners.
1: There you go. Couldn't have done it when I lived down there. Boy. Yeah, that's right. You were down there, I think. Yeah, a few years, anyway. Thanks very much, Squire. Thanks, Squire. Just ahead, the volunteers keeping West Coast boaters safe for the past 45 years.
0: This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community.
2: Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan.
0: Sophie, tonight a look at the snow where it's wanted. And where it's not, it's certainly welcome at Cypress Bowl in West Vancouver. Heavy, heavy snow has accumulated there today. Of course, it's not so fun to drive in. And on parts of Vancouver Island, the plow trucks were out this October 24th to keep the major routes clear also stormy conditions on the water we're hearing right now that the ferry from the gulf islands to Tawassan is actually holding an active pass so we'll keep an eye on that also why a very popular parking lot for events at bc place could soon disappear
1: details at 11 sophie
2: interesting all right thanks for that jordan
1: So for the past 45 years, the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue has been saving lives on the West Coast.
2: Nearly 1,000 volunteers who give their time and energy to keep us safe. Jada Rant caught up with the patrol on This is BC.
9: We have a mayday call, report of a sunken vessel with two persons in a life raft.
1: From their 31 stations around the province, Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue volunteers are responding to emergencies at a moment's notice. That look of
11: gratitude and, and, and wide eyes when they're cold and they're shivering in the water looking up at
1: you out of the boat. So
11: here's where we are underneath the second Narrows bridge. And Deputy Station
1: you know, Leader Sean Burchette, Burchette was just honoured for his 33 years of
11: service. Here and as far as we sort of look at this from did we impact someone's
1: life today? Supporting the Coast Guard, Police, Fire and Ambulance, these teams are responding to upwards of 700 calls a year.
6: I want to be able to just be one of those people that are out there helping, you know, um, and someone's going through their like their worst day okay, I'm coming from okay. saving stranded
11: boaters oh to frantic searches like an unforgettable race against time to find an organ donor recipient who was on a sailing trip when his name came up on the wait list picked him up and they brought him into uh, false creek and as they were arriving into false creek to drop off to meet the air ambulance flew over with the organ that he was going to receive. Now
4: Now in its
1: 45th year, there are more than 900 volunteers trained to save lives on the water.
11: Springing into action in an instant when that emergency call comes in towing in a broken down boat or returning that lost child to their to their parent or whatnot if we've made an impact to somebody at some point during that day from what we've done that's the reward for most of us
6: all secure i never want someone to be afraid to like call for help be you know like embarrassed of their situation be worried about getting in trouble we're another resource out on the water because it can get scary it can get scary quickly and we're there to to truly like help people
1: jay durant global news Thank you for the work you do out there. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell and you want to share it with the rest of us, please do. Just email the idea to j at thisisbc at globalnews.ca.
2: All right. We talked about uh, it's windy out there. Jordan was just mentioning that ferry holding an active pass right now and uh, Mm -hmm. we're talking to a passenger that's on board that boat right now. But Christy, yeah, we saw snow and now wind.
10: Yeah, so I just thought I would explain. It's basically the Arctic front, that uh, high-pressure inland that's pulling all that cold Arctic air out towards the coast. So we're seeing strong outflow winds. Tawasin, 60 kilometres an hour. Saturna Island, 67 kilometres an hour. Uh, you can see that bullseye right over that sort of Tawasin, Gulf Island uh, ferry um, uh, sort of region. So that wind will likely continue this evening. We are expecting once again the Petumas, for some snow through the Nanaimo Malahat area heads up to any travelers out there again that's likely late evening through the overnight hours but be prepared if you can avoid that road uh, this evening I recommend it I'm not even ready for my winter coat yet and
1: I've had to pull it uh, there's a bit of a wake-up call <laughs> today two or three summer
2: coats <laughs> that's a good idea at the same time <laughs> as as
1: plan, always all right thanks for watching everyone have a good night
2: good night all